Hi, everybody. So this is really exciting. I am here uh, talking Disney today. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm here with my um, friend, Con- Conrado. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, and uh, we have been friends for a, a long time on our blogs, uh, blogging friends, I guess, uh, for three years least yeah that sounds about yeah. right yeah and uh he is a uh he is we have very different opinions on a lot of things which makes things fun and yeah. <laughs> and uh, he is also a fellow disney fan like myself and uh and so i uh, want you uh introduce yourself all right yeah so like rachel said my name is conrado and uh my blog is uh coco hits new york dot wordpress.com and um i don't write as often as i used to a couple of years ago but i do try um by the time this is posted online i'll probably have a review of beauty and the beast app so you can probably look that up of the new version that just came out ah that'll be fun i'm excited to hear what you think yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes um <laughs> but yeah um yeah so i i mostly write movie reviews sometimes i write about tv and other stuff but um yeah i mostly stick to movies and uh, and you and you mm-hmm. have the whole canon disney canon reviewed yeah, on your blog correct? that's true that's something that's one of the first things i did when when i started my blog was write reviews of all the movies in the you know disney canon and um so that was when I was just starting. So I don't know if I stand by some of those reviews. Um, but, but yeah, uh, if you guys are interested, take a, take a, you know, you can take a look at them and uh, tell me what you think. And I'll put a link down in the, uh, in the comment description section to all of that. And I recently just finished a, a, my second full canon rewatch. Uh, and I, I did my weekly uh, YouTube reviews. I had done it previously on my blog, and then I just posted uh, this week my new ranking, which uh, was a lot of fun and, and got a lot of comments. So that that was enjoyable, and okay. it's it's hard because I really I really like on some level all, a lot of these movies. I mean, there, there's really only I think three that I like can't i have a hard time getting through and then i can't find some positive things to say about uh and and so i, I don't know i guess i'm a, a a fan girl but that doesn't mean that i certainly don't think these you know disney is perfect by any means but i don't know i just think in general they make pretty entertaining films um yeah definitely and i think you're onto something uh when you say there's almost always something to you know uh something positive to say about them mm-hmm. especially um, in terms of animation and technique, yeah. they're definitely uh, up there. Right, right. And uh, so today we are going to talk about uh, over and underrated. And I know that phrase is overrated. Underrated is kind of used a lot to the point that, like, what does it really mean? Yeah, uh, those phrases but... <laughs> are overrated. <laughs> yeah, they are overrated. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. This is like, how else do you say it? That uh, basically, at least what I think of when I when I say this is that they're movies that you don't necessarily hear talked about that much as far as the underrated uh, that I think have value and that I like. I'm not saying they're masterpieces by any means, but that I, that I like. Uh, and, uh, and then overrated is just ones that I, I don't dislike it, 
I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's in the top 10. I don't think it's in the top 15 Disney movies, which I frequently see them in that spot. I, I, so it's, it's, uh, it overrated doesn't mean that you hate it or you think it's horrible or something like that. Yeah. I think the way I approached overrated was also a little bit, uh, with a little bit of a contrarian opinion, right? It's kind of those movies that mm-hmm. um, are mostly considered to be great or everybody seems to love that you find certain flaws with yeah. that you don't think, yet you think people don't talk about enough. It's how right. I looked at it. Right, right. So we're going to start with the underrated and uh, and start being positive. What can you <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> And then we'll get to the nasty stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get to the comments that, that we'll get. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, the, the, my first choice for underrated, uh, is a little mm. movie in the package era called Make My Music. And mm-hmm. the reason why I like this movie is just because it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I okay. think, I think there's something to be said for when you watch as many movies as you and I do, when mm-hmm. something is just really different, sometimes you give it a little bit of a pass. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> then like, if you're just a traditional movie goer, then you'd be like, what, why do I want to watch this? You know? And, mm-hmm. and <laughs> so I get it. Uh, but I, it's just basically, this is like, this is like sloppy seconds that I, I thoroughly love. And uh-huh. they, they, they clearly had nothing. And so they went around and were like, well, this project never got finished. Let's do this. And this mm-hmm. one got abandoned. Let's do this. And to the point where even one of the shorts, the, the um, Hatfield and McCoy shorts isn't even on the DVD because it's deemed just too offensive. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I don't know that to me is entertaining and, uh, and it has a weird, one weird short where a, a woman is seen coming out of a shower. And then there's, uh, there's, but my favorite, the thing that like, I guess makes me love it is there's this one called Willie the Whale who, the, who wants to sing opera, the Metropolitan. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I was actually going to ask you because, um, I haven't seen this movie in a long time since yeah. I did my, canon movies and i do get some of the packages package films uh mixed up yeah so i wanted to to maybe you can explain a little bit to the people like me who get them confused which one this is so it's about so it's package film and it has some of the package films like fun and fancy free and ichabod and mr uh, mr toad those have like basically two long shorts uh and and as opposed to like a true sort of package film and, and uh, make my music, I think has nine or 10 mm-hmm. shorts. And it really is just a bunch of stuff that, uh, that they had abandoned at different times and they needed right. to make a movie. And so they picked it up and, uh, or it might be 10 if you include the Martins and the Coys, it's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the, the shorts are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, Sorry. Uh, turn that off. Um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. 
So there's 10 mm-hmm. and 10 shorts and they all like kind of involve music, but not like really like there's Casey mm-hmm. at the bat, which doesn't really involve music. It's oh, just, yeah. <laughs> the, that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. The baseball, um, <laughs> which, that was pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. Except for it's really weird because he, you're supposed to feel sorry for him, but he's like, He's like a total jerk and he's right. like a womanizer. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of a jerk. You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> so like, right. I love that. That's hilarious to me. And uh and they do a blue bayou which is nice. It's better if you watch it with the uh the uh Claire de Lune uh uh-huh. background as opposed to the um uh the the one that they have, I think. <coughs> hmm. And, uh, but the Martins and McCoys, it's, it's, it is based on the Hatfields and McCoys. And it's, it's about the, the, the daughter of the, uh, the son and daughter of these families that end up falling in love and getting married. So you think, oh, it's going to be a really nice story. Mm-hmm. Except, for, except for the fact that the, the woman is like a total brute and like beats up on him like every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like what and so that's weird and then yeah, all the cats join in is basically a bunch of people getting ready for a party and so that's when you see the woman coming out of the shower which is sort of different oh okay yeah yeah and then with uh then uh without you without you is sort of a dolly surrealist kind of weird as uh, weird one and then and then Casey at the bat, uh, and then two silhouettes, which is these two dancers that they uh, that they basically uh, filmed dancing, and then kind of almost rotoscoped the the dancing as a silhouette. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Peter and the the wolf. Oh, of course, Peter and the wolf. Which is really yeah. great. Really, really great, yeah. That's a really good one. Really um, wonderful animation in that one, I think. Yeah, very, very cool character animation, I thought. And mm-hmm. this is one that I watched a lot when I was a kid. I just had I had it kind of separate from the Make My Music, uh, you know, package. Um, I guess mm-hmm. they also released it as a short yeah. later. It's probably in VHS or something. And I watched it a lot, and I remember... You know, the movement of the duck and the cat. I think it's, yeah, I think the animation's yeah. really, really good in that one. And it's a, it's a cool story. The music, mm-hmm. obviously great. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it because when I was little, uh, I actually went to a, symf- the Utah Symphony is actually quite good. And mm-hmm. uh, I went to, they did a Peter and the Wolf. Uh, they did like a symphony night for kids. And I remember going and they had, they did Peter and the, and the Wolf. So I always remember it for that. Uh, and the wolf is actually really well done. And we'll talk about, uh, um, uh, the, uh, if you look at some other wolves, <laughs> they're, they're not as well done <laughs> later on. Um, but, uh, Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, <laughs> you always wanted your hat love story. Now you got oh, it. Oh yeah. And with music sung by the Andrews sisters, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I remember that yeah. as well. So if, 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 uh, if Wally wasn't enough for you, mm-hmm. then you've got hats. Or <laughs> 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 kind of like, it's sort of similar to, um, the, the blue umbrella. You know, the, it the is star. very similar yeah. actually. Yeah. So, and then the last one is the whale who sang at the Met and, and it's just, this one is just so strange. I love it. It's, 
it's this whale who sings opera, which is kind of strange on its own, but the way they have him animated is so weird. Like the, like when he's singing at the Met, the way he's sort of standing up and, and like his mouth is sort of in the middle of his body and it looks so odd. And they have him like with the, uh, with the like opera weird costumes and makeup and white, like puff, you know, sort of the white makeup and, I don't know, it just looks very strange. And then, and then at the end, they, 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 spoiler alert, at the end, they, they kill Willie the whale. Uh, <laughs> they kill him. And they're like, and then this, this narration comes on and they're like, you see kids, <laughs> people don't, like miracles people Willie was a miracle and people don't like miracles like what 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 lesson is that for kids (laughs) well yeah it was a different time for sure yeah and uh I just just love that I think that is so great uh yeah yeah I think you're onto something this definitely now that you refresh my memory this does seem like the most you know probably the most experimental and idiosyncratic of the yeah. of the package movies. So, yeah, so it might be worth a watch. And uh, I would say Peter and the Wolf is definitely worth mm-hmm. a watch if you haven't or seen it before. Mm-hmm. Or if you have kids, I feel like they would love it. Yeah, it, it definitely, that's a good word for it, experimental. It just feels different and nutty and entertaining. And, and yeah, so definitely at least watch... Uh, Peter and the Wolf and uh, the whale who wanted to sing at the Met. Cause I think both those are just great. And yeah. <clears throat> so that is my first. Uh, what is your first uh, underrated uh, Disney Canon film? Okay. Um, let's see. So my first underrated pick, and this is, I don't really know how underrated this is. I guess depends on how you look at it. Because it is 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. which I feel people still talk about and they still consider one of the good Disney movies. But the reason I put it as underrated is because I think a lot of its thunder was stolen when they had the live action version in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And after the whole Glenn Close thing, I think people, uh, especially people of my generation and younger, started to associate you know, Dalmatians with the live action movies and uh, the cartoon sort of receded to the background, which I think is very unfair because the, mm-hmm. I don't only think the cartoon is much better than the live action version. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the very best this movies Disney's ever done. And I think it definitely belongs in the top tier of mm-hmm. Disney movies. Um, I agree. I, I, I had it in my ranking as number five. So... Um, Right, which yeah. is probably pretty close to what I would have it in my ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely in the top ten, and um, and I guess uh, I guess it also doesn't get that much respect from like Disney historians because it's you know it's part of this kind of the Xerox era in which mm-hmm. the the quality of the animation kind of declined a little bit. And it wasn't as, uh, you know, lush and fancy as like your mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauties and your, um, I don't know, Cinderella's or what have you. And But what the 101 Dalmatians does, which is so great, is it has, it kind of doesn't want to go for that type of animation. And instead it goes to this very modern and slick 
kind of minimalistic look and very uh, cartoony, but also very modern. It feels like some of those shorts from the 50s, like uh, Gerald McBoing Boing almost or something like that. And I mm-hmm. think it's a, and I think it works uh, really well from a visual standpoint. I think it's a beautiful movie to look at in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, and it creates tension so well. I, I think if you compare it to uh, the Aristocats, which uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, I think Aristocats tries to copy Lady and the Tramp and 101 Dalmatians very heavily. Right. Uh, but like, just as an example, in the, in 101 Dalmatians, that scene where they're getting on the moving truck. Oh, yes. And you just see like that, that plop, yes. plop, 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 plop of the raindrops and the, you know, covering the soot and just how tense it is. And you see Cruella there. And, and I mean, compared to when they're getting on the moving truck in Aristoc- Aristocats, there's just no comparison. I mean, the tension isn't yeah. even close. And, and, and so they, they come so close so many times to getting caught that, that, that it, it really is, a, it's, it, it creates tension, which makes the film engrossing. It makes you invested. It makes you, uh, you know, for a movie that has as many characters as it has, you really do feel even for side characters, like say a Sergeant Tibbs or somebody like that, you really do feel for these, these characters. Absolutely. And that scene is a great scene to bring up because um, I just watched the movie, I think last year over the summer again, and that scene still gets to you even yeah. after you've seen a bunch of times. And when you, you know, you're an adult who watches all sort of, all sorts of tense, uh, you know, Oscar nominated movies and you still get mm-hmm. um, that sort of uh, excitement from, from these cartoon puppies trying to get on the, on the moving truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they use just enough of Cruella. I, I personally, I really don't like the rescuers. I'm not a fan. And mm-hmm. the, I think the big difference between that movie, well, there's many differences, but one of the difference is that, uh, they have so much Medusa in the rescuers. Whereas in 100 Dalmatians, it's really Jasper and Horace who are with the puppies most of the time so that Cruella can come in and make like a real impact, but it's not overbearing. It doesn't start to feel mean spirited or negative or, you know, she's, she's in it just enough, I think, to make yeah. it work. It, That's also a good comparison with the live action version, I think. And yeah. also with the sequel that they did, 102 Dalmatians, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. That was the name of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in which, of course, you have Glenn Close and you want Glenn Close to come in and chew all the scenery. But, you know, like, it becomes sort of a camp fest. And whereas in the cartoon, mm-hmm. Cruella just, I mean, Cruella is kind of like a force of nature. She comes into the house and then she's screaming and talking and uh, smoking her cigarette or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes her kind of scary because you just see these glimpses of her and she's very unpredictable. You don't really know how to read her, especially as a child. And then when she comes later, she's so furious when she's driving the car, she's like a maniac. So I think that's what makes her an effective and, you know, kind of scary villain for kids. Yeah, exactly. I I like that that you said uh, she's unpredictable and, uh, and, she she never stops sort of being kind of 
funny and over the top and and it's it's kind of i mean i think that that is the key to making a villain work whether you're talking about say dark knight or or a uh, or even like a, a little mermaid or something like that when you have you you, ha- you just use the villains kind of in the right way and it just doesn't end up feeling kind of mean-spirited and gloomy and that they create create the right amount of tension so i i love uh 101 dalmatians and i i, I don't understand why why Walt didn't like it particularly. I think that's hmm. part of the reason why it doesn't get the sort of the love from Disney as it, as it should. Right. Um, um, because he didn't like it that much. Uh, I mean, I guess it's just the new, uh, the new style. He just wasn't a fan of evidently. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that might have something to do with it. Also probably the, it's definitely a step down in terms of the, uh, quality of the animation, not in terms of like, uh, you know, the character animation is really good and the people working on it were great, but it's definitely a different, more economic mm-hmm. style than what yeah. they had before. If, the, I think the movie that came right before it was Sleeping Beauty, right? Yeah. Which is uh, one of the most yeah. beautiful yeah. with all of these amazing backdrop paintings and whatnot. And mm-hmm. then you have to go to this like very different style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's but, maybe why he was. But a what better. Yeah, but what better uh, tool uh, to use to tell uh, the story of Hundred Dalmatians than the Xerox in a way? Because, I mean, it's it, it's perfect for a story with black and white, yeah, lots of pictures of black and white spots. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely so. true. Um, uh, well, that's yeah. a good choice. So my second choice is also from the sketch era. And a lot of people love this movie, uh, but I picked The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh as my second mm-hmm. choice. And the reason why I have this as seven, number seven on my ranking, and I feel like the reason why I would say this is underrated is I think that a lot of people just dismiss it as a kid's movie and, mm. uh, you know, as something just for, like, little ones. And I think it's it's the best made movie for for like kindergartner age, you know, and under preschoolers, whatever. I think it's the best movie ever made for that demographic, but Mm -hmm. I think it's also great for just a great movie. (laughs) Yeah. And also kind of a package film. If you, if when you think about it also, it's a package film, but it doesn't feel like a package film. I think uh, the director Wolfgang Reitherman, I think what he did uh, was pretty remarkable to, to create these, to take these three, three shorts. I mean, you could say A. Milne did it in her books too, but anyway, you take it and I love the ending of this movie so much. I, it, it makes me, it makes me cry. Like when I watch it and, and when, when Pooh says, uh, well, Christopher says, I got it. Basically I've got to grow up now. I can't, mm. I can't, you know, and, and he says, promise you'll never forget me. And he says, you know, and Pooh says, I, I promise. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah. it just gets me every time. I think it's just such a beautiful moment. And, and it just, ah, oh, so good. And I, I really, I love, I love all the characters and I love the Sherman Brothers songs. And I, I, I just think it's charming. And I, I don't know. I just yes. feel like it, it's not just like a kid's movie. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry about that. I think something okay. happened here. Um, but yeah, I agree with what you say and especially what you're saying about the, the children's movies, which is something that I wanted also to get at with my next pick. But before we go into there, what I was, I was, um, 
someone was writing the other day about my neighbor Totoro, the Miyazaki movie, and they were mm-hmm. saying how, um, especially now in American cinema, we don't really seem to make movies for children, but more movies that children can watch. Right. And then when you truly see a movie that is uh, seems to be in the headspace of a child or that seems designed to be entertaining and meaningful to a small child is something truly special. And I think that's true, of course, of my neighbor Totoro and of uh, Winnie the Pooh, uh, which mm-hmm. um, I, I just think it gets at something about childhood and the way children think of things. Um the very minimalistic style almost of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I just feel like it represents this sort of the way children relate to their toys, which is appropriate because, you know, it's a movie based on uh, stories that a guy wrote based on his child's mm-hmm. toys. But um, I think it's very special in that way. And I also think uh, Pooh as a character is also really, really great. Um, something that I didn't particularly appreciate when I was younger, but, uh, the, when I, as I get older, I, um, I'm starting to think that, uh, Pooh is a, an amazing balancing act of kind of cuteness and being funny and sort of relatable. Like the scene where he does his exercises is, it is so funny and at the same time so cute, but in a way that doesn't go too much into either direction, right? You're not like thinking of, oh, this ridiculous bear that's doing exercise. I'm going to laugh at him. Mm -hmm. But also you're not thinking, oh, this is so obviously meant to be so cute that I think the bear is cute that I'm kind of checking off. Exactly. It's not cute in a minions-y kind of cute, you know, where it's it feels... uh... I don't know, it just feels a sort of artificial and like uh, it, it feels sort of almost patronizing to to kids. I think some of those, some of those films, this, it just, it just feels, uh, I don't know. It just feels authentic to a character. And I think that a lot of what makes this, this world great and this film great uh, is that it's all about sort of the way that kids process emotion and the way they process uh relationships in a way the way uh, you know the sort of tigger's enthusiasm you have eeyore's mm-hmm. sort of uh, melancholy you have yeah. you know the and and Pooh's sort of just uh and you you have rabbits sort of selfishness you have uh and and all of it together it it, it just it just works I, I i i love it and and i i think sort of the overall theme too like i said with the ending of uh of not not forgetting your childhood, but also not mm-hmm. wanting to be forgotten. That's sort of a, a, a very human emotion that we all have. Yeah, and also very raw and very true emotions that I mm-hmm. think are can also be valuable for a child to uh, interact with. I think, I mean, obviously, like you say, when you go through the characters, you can see that what they represent and, you know, this kind of... Um, you can imagine a sort of a hyperactive child and um, uh, looking at uh, Tigger and uh, having all these sorts of, uh, you know, identifying with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also Eeyore, who um, is basically, you know, a depressed character and, but, and yet he's like, you know, uh, he has all these friends and these friends care for him. And that could also be like very important for a child to, 
to see almost like a a proto inside out sort of feeling right um but yeah but definitely definitely connected to children and their uh, their way of seeing things and all the different emotions like you say that they're gonna have or that they have on a daily basis because everything's so dramatic when you're a child right um yeah it's true <laughs> and you have all yeah. these sort of like you you get so angry about so many things or you get so sad and so easily that it's i think yeah i think a movie like this and um other movies that try to do that sort of thing are can definitely be valuable mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. yeah and you're right too about uh we just don't make quality films for demographic demographics anymore i i feel like one of the worst things for animation in in my opinion is the constant quest for the family film i i mm. think that uh, it, it it's a problem that you don't have movies that are made for uh you know different ages that are made well for those ages and uh, that that everyone's trying to sort of catch everyone and you know everyone's trying to be the next uh shrek or the next you know kind of thing that 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 adults and kids love i'm just like kids deserve to have that's one thing i loved personally about the peanuts movies i just felt like it was so well made for 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 little kids it got a g rating and I, that's re- very rare these days and so i don't know it's yeah. just an interesting thing I definitely agree with that. And you see a lot of people, you know, every time you see reviews, positive reviews of a, like an animated film or a family film, you always hear people saying, well, you know, it's not just a children's movie. It's like, it's not just for kids. It's like, it's got more going on. And, um, you know, some things are, it's good that some things are for children and they're yeah. made for them with them in mind. Cause, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like some things are meant to be for adults or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very important. And I think those are the movies, honestly, that um, at the end of the day, the movies that endure. Because yeah. uh, you see sort of like, I mean, I don't know, I might be wrong because I don't hang a lot with children anymore. But um, uh, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about Shrek anymore, for example. Yeah. A movie that kind of when it came out was a, a phenomenon and everyone was saying... Uh, you know, it's not just for children. It's uh, making fun of all these movies and, uh, you know, but uh, it kind of had its moment and then it uh, disappeared. Whereas other movies, you know, yeah. like the ones we're talking about now, kind of have endured in the in the minds of the, child, of the children. So what, is, what would be your next pick for something that's related? Okay, my next pick, which is also a movie that I think... Uh, goes into the headspace of children and the way children looks look at things uh even though it's probably not as emotional or as uh honest about children's emotions as winnie the pooh uh, is robin hood from 1973 um Mm. disney's animated version of robin hood which um you know i think most people i don't think you're uh, one of one of them, but I think a lot of people put this at the very bottom of the list of Disney movies and consider it to be one of the worst. And I think that has something to do with the fact that a lot of the animation was recycled from other movies. Mm-hmm. So what they did was, I think it was mostly animation from uh, The Jungle Book and The Aristocats, right? And they kind of just uh, 
change the costumes or the color of the characters and then just use the same cells to animate uh, sequences. I, I, I find this to be a very weak criticism of this film because I actually had it on my list as well as underrated. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, like, just as an example, like, if I, if I'm going to see, if I went to see Thor Ragnarok and they reused the same Thor costume, if it's a good movie, who cares? <laughs> like, I, I don't care if they needed to do that to save some money and they still made a good movie. Yeah. Why, who cares? Like, <laughs> I don't True. understand why that is, is such a big deal. Like you use whatever tools you have available to you at the moment. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think that I agree with you about Robin Hood because I think that it's, first of all, I just think it's funny. And you really see the, the influence of, uh, the sort of that era of comedy, uh, in, in, uh, Robin Hood. Uh, you see Monty, I think some influences of Monty Python. You see some influences of the Muppets, I think, in there, and some of the way that co- sort of the comedy is done. So it's mm-hmm. got sort of an English sensibility, I think. And, uh, so it, it, it's, it's funny. I, I, my only real flaw with Robin Hood is I, I do think it sort of has a weird third act that like it just becomes kind of somber and and sad and <laughs> not in Nottingham and you know it just yeah uh, that that's my only but I I really enjoy it I think it's very entertaining yeah I I think so too um, I think it's very it's also very charming I think of it a little bit like I do like I said Winnie the Pooh which is with all these, you know, kind of funny songs and this uh, just very uh, fanciful and kind of simple characters, but that also get at certain, you know, prime emotions in this, like mm-hmm. uh, King Prince John and how he's sort of like a big baby. And then the, what's the name of the snake in the movie? Um, uh, his. His, of course, Sir Hiss. Yeah, um, that character is just hilarious. I think yeah. I agree with you that it, it's a very funny movie. Um, I do think to go back up uh, and talk about the animation part of it. I think um, the thing about the recycled animation. I think a lot of people use that uh, kind of as a as a way of expressing how they feel that the movie kind of is is was taking shortcuts or that it wasn't really thought out. Um, I've read some actually pretty good review, negative reviews of the movie that um, uh, talk a little bit about how it doesn't, there isn't really a particular reason why the characters are animals and not humans. Um, doesn't really make a case for that. Um, and it's really, that is something that Disney hadn't really done before that point to just mm-hmm. do a movie and decide that instead of humans, we're going to have animals. Um, which I guess is a fair criticism, but I think maybe I'm just biased, but I feel like this is just a way of reflecting this sort of children's mentality and kind of like, I feel like the movie represents this kind of child's play where kind of anything goes and everything Mm -hmm. is very simple. And it almost feels to me like uh, going to the park and playing with some children. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, like when, when you're a kid, of course, if you did it as an adult, it would be very creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, um, but yeah, I guess yeah. it's hard for me to say what I love about the movie because it's something that you can't really 
it's not something scientific. You can't really explain that much. I just get this feeling of like a very freeing sort of uh, mm-hmm. sense of play. Yeah. Uh, well, it's very, very nostalgic for me because it's my, uh, it's my dad's favorite. My dad loves Robin Hood and he loves Jungle Book. Those are his two favorite. And so I do have a lot of nostalgia for it. I admit it. Uh, but which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. We all have nostalgia for different things. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that it pulls off that kind of British style humor very well. I think that Peter Ustinov is hilarious as Prince John. I think yes. that the script is good. <laughs> I like it. And I, I don't really care that they're animals. That doesn't matter to me. I, I think they, they had started the, the sort of the genesis of it is I'm sure that part of them wanted to uh, sort of capture, recapture Jungle Book, you know, was sort of, but you can't really do Robin Hood with animals without them being sort of anthropomorphic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so, but and that was part of it, but, but they actually had started, I guess, uh, with it being more of a, a, a drama and uh, more of a, uh, with a, uh, a Fox Robin Hood. And it's interesting to look at some of the early art artwork. It's pretty, pretty cool, but I don't know. I mean, I just think, I always say with with sort of comedies, did it do its job? If it made me laugh, then it's a success. That's that's what it was supposed to do, and it did until the third act when it becomes a sort of a downer. Uh, yeah, but it comes it you know it becomes happy at the end. Everything yeah. goes well for our heroes. Yeah. So yeah. you know, and I like the music too. I do. The music is very. Um, um, I well, like I guess folksy. some songs are better than others, but it's very, yeah, it's like very charming. It's very folksy and it's very, you know, bouncy. I like the, the, the song at the beginning, which is very simple, almost kind of like humming and, you know, it kind of gets me in the mood for this like silly, um, children's adventure. Yeah. Well, my last choice for underrated is, one that I guess a lot of people love, but I don't know. I still don't feel like it kind of gets the credit it deserves and is uh, Lilo and Stitch. And this is mm-hmm. one that I've actually had to kind of have a a gr- growth period on. So I kind of get why some people don't like it. Uh, when I first saw it, I thought it was a real downer and I didn't really like it <laughs> very much. And I, I've never really liked the design of Stitch, to be honest. I feel like he looks kind of like a cockroach and I don't know, I just wish they'd made him like a little cuter and a little more, mm. I don't know, but I've, I've kind of grown to accept that. So those are my two biggest issues when I first saw it back, back in the day. But, uh, it's really grown on me, this, this film. And it, I, I love the themes of the movie. I love the theme of family and that it's such a broken family and with Nani and Lilo and and there's actually not that many Disney movies about children they're almost all mm. about adolescent you know young adolescent you know princesses or or whatever and right. and and so to have a a character like Lilo who is so lonely and so mm-hmm. weird and 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 to have her be the lead of the movie uh, is just wonderful. And it really, I mean, you've got Meet the Robinsons and, and you know, a few other, which I thought about yeah. picking. There's a few other films that have a lead child, but it's just not that common. And, and, and in a Disney also, film. 
um, it's also when they do, it, it's not in such a realistic and emotionally yeah. realistic setting as Lulu and Stitch. It's yeah. a very a movie that feels very truthful in its emotions and yeah. what it what a child like Lilo would be f- feeling if she were in her position. Yeah. Yeah, and just the I I guess I relate to it very much because I have three younger siblings that I had to do some kind of co-parenting on, you know, that with mm-hmm. and for because my mom had a baby when I was 18 and 16 and and 10. And so I did a lot of Right. <laughs> so I, I feel like I relate to Nani and sort of her position, obviously not to that extreme, but I'll relate to it a little bit of, of sort of trying to, to be a good example and trying to, you know, and, and, and I can only imagine what that kind of stress and what that kind of would, would be like for her. And, and I also have a special place in my heart for Hawaii and anything Polynesian. I, I love that island and I love, uh, I love the, I love the water. I love swimming. And so just a lot of those things really work for me. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, the whole Mahana means family. No one lets, gets left behind. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, love it. And uh, it, I love the watercolor style. I think that is beautiful. And I kind of wish that we got to see that more. Uh, and I mean, I, th- I think the things that don't work in the movie is I do think, I think that they maybe push it just a hair too far. Like by the time that, that her, that the whole house is destroyed and you're just feeling like you feel a little bit beaten down that yeah. like, can, can anything more happen to these people? Like it just feels, it feels like a lot. And, and I, I, I think that. I don't know, just some of the antics with the aliens that are looking for Stitch and stuff. Like, uh, Yeah, I do think uh, towards the end, it turns into sort of like an action movie that it didn't necessarily have to be. Because mm-hmm. by that point, we were we are so inside the minds of Lilo and Stitch and their relationship and how they feel about each other yeah. and all these things that are going on. Mm-hmm. That I don't know if I needed all that, uh, you know, spaceship action. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's still a very good movie, and yeah. um, despite of that, and and partic- and especially because of all of those emotions, right? It's a very emotional, but also very truthful uh, movie mm-hmm. about relating to your family and also um, to your pets, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of finding a relationship that is meaningful there and between two outcasts, really, because Lilo. Mm-hmm feels stitch is as much of a uh, kind of a lost child as Lilo is. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's also, he can also be an interesting metaphor uh, for, you know, for children to identify with in terms of, you know, a child who is moody or like has all these sort of issues with rage or wanting to destroy stuff, which I've Mm -hmm. met some children like that in my time, but so I think, yeah, I think that's also very, uh, also the interesting thing about Lilo and stitch in terms of, calling it an underrated movie, I guess, is that it comes at this time right after the Disney Renaissance, but before Disney kind of got its groove back. But it is one of the rare movies of that time that actually did a lot of money and was very successful. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a brilliant marketing campaign for this exactly. movie. Exactly. That's what I was going to get at, which was, I guess the marketing campaign was kind of playing off uh, the success of Shrek because uh, it was kind of lamp- lampooning all the these... Uh, Disney movies and I guess 
mm-hmm. you know, the world was in the mood to be lampooning these Disney yeah. movies after almost 10 years of uh, prestige renaissance Disney mm-hmm. movies. I wonder um, though, if, if when I saw it back, back in the day that if maybe that marketing campaign though, maybe that sort of added to my feeling of like, wow, this is a real downer because it's, it's really not that kind of movie though. You know, it's that, not at all. It's yeah. That marketing campaign is setting you up for something that is uh, for, you know, mm-hmm. sillier and more comedic. And this is such a, you know, small and intimate and very uh, feeling movie. Yeah. Um, I think the movie, you know, uh, I appreciate the movie for what it is. I think it's a really good movie and I'm glad that the marketing campaign got people to go to the theater and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause that same year they had treasure planet, which was a big flop. Right. So. And I think back then they were kind of thinking as they always, it always happens with Disney. They think one movie is going to do great and the other one not. And then it turns out to be the opposite. But I think they were kind of uh, putting their bets on Treasure Planet and Lilo and Stitch. They were kind of just, you know, we'll make this kind of rather cheap and quick movie and then we'll just release it and see what happens. And it ended up being the bigger hit. Yeah, it's true. All right. So what is your last choice for underrated? Okay. Oh, okay. Let's see. Um, my last choice for underrated is a movie that I feel maybe a little bit like you do about Lilo and Stitch, a movie that when I first saw it, I wasn't a big fan of, but with time it has grown on me. And I think it's one of the better Disney movies now. And that is, uh, the Emperor's New Groove, mm-hmm. which, um, which also came right after the Disney Renaissance was, over i guess this was kind of the movie when people started saying okay now it's like now it's done um and i think when i was a kid i was sort of um first of all i'm from peru and the movie is about you know the guy is named cusco which is a city in peru Mm -hmm. it's about llamas and incas and whatever so i was really excited for it knowing that they were going to make a movie kind of like about my country back then and then when i saw and i was expecting something you know i was hoping for something more on the lines of like a Lion King or Mulan, you know, sort of this kind of epic Disney stories. And then when I saw it and it was like this very silly sort of goofy comedy, I was a little uh, disappointed back then because I just wanted, you know, I was looking more for like a a story that was about where I was from, but also um, in the Disney mold. And this was not that. But it turns out it was something really special of its own, as I've come to understand years later. I think it's, I think it's a hilarious movie. And that yeah. is, uh, you know, I think that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said with Robin Hood, if the po- point of a comedy is to make me laugh and, and it makes me laugh, then it's a successful comedy. Like, <laughs> yes. I, you know, like, I, it's as simple as that. I, I, I think I also really enjoyed, I actually really liked it when it first came out. I was, uh, in, um, uh, was I a freshman or a sophomore in college when, uh, this movie came out and I thought it looked so stupid from, from the trailers and stuff. And I was like, Oh man, Disney is just lost. It lost it. And, (laughs) and then I, then I went and saw it and I thought it was great. And I thought it was hilarious and I I really liked it. I mean, the talking llama movie I liked, which I just thought, wow. (laughs) And to be fair, it is a very stupid movie, but it's also really funny and it's stupid in a great 
way. Like the scene when they're at the the sort of diner place and they're trying yeah. to hide and everyone's going. It's like a it's a hilarious like farce. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost out of a, like a screwball comedy or something. Yeah. It's, it is. It's really good. And of course, um, you know. Isma and Kronk are both hilarious, amazing characters. Yeah. And uh, with really great work by um, Eartha Kitt and yeah. Patrick Warburton, they are both hilarious and given their all. It's, yeah, I it's love the whole ending scene where they're trying the different potions. I think that is so good. I, I think that is as good. Yeah. We'll talk about Sword in the Stone a little later, but mm-hmm. I think that's as good as the Wizard's Duel. I, I just, I, I think it is yeah. so, so entertaining, and I just love when she she turns into the cat, and she's like, my voice! My voice! And, <laughs> yeah. and, and my favorite joke in the movie is when when she goes, and she, she's like, <laughs> she's like, wrong lever! Oh, <laughs> she's yeah. Like, she's like, why do we even have that lever? <laughs> yeah. I love it's, that joke. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those movies that it's, you know, jo- jokes on top of other jokes. And it's just like, uh, if you don't laugh at something, you know that something's going to come along a few seconds later that is going to make you laugh. So, yeah. yeah. And you, you should listen to, uh, and whoever's listening to this, should listen to the Rotoscopers uh, podcast that they did on Emperor's New Groove recently. They had one of the animators or directors, I can't remember, uh, that was involved in the film and, and uh, they were talking about the transition, the transformation of that movie. And because mm-hmm. it, it's sort of notorious, I feel like uh, that, you know, it started out as this musical by sting that it was going to be dramatic and everything like that. And then with like uh, under a year to release, they got completely rewrote, completely changed completely. Uh, and, and uh, you know became became this comedy and became because it just wasn't working they had roger allers got uh got fired you know and and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because it, what, one of the things he said he's like <laughs> he was he was like this that actually isn't uncommon in animated films he's mm-hmm. like it, the only reason that people know about emperor's new groove is because it was there was a documentary made about yeah. it uh, he's just like actually most and he, and he went through, he was like, Frozen had that, uh, Zootopia had that. Yeah. He went through a whole bunch and they all had Absolutely. like major changes in characters and stories. And, and, uh, so I, I don't know. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, uh, documentary, um, you can find it on YouTube every now and then. It yeah. always gets pulled out, but, um, and I think it's called the, is it called the sweat box? I think yep. it's called the sweat box yep. and it was made by Sting's wife, right? Yep. And kind of chronicling all these things that happened to the this disastrous sort of production process. Yep. Poor Sting, at least. I know, poor Sting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well good choice. I, I really I really do I really do enjoy Emperor's New Groove. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh and so okay, so now we're gonna get into the the, the nitty gritty here. We're going to talk right. about the, the overrated. <laughs> um, so my, my first pick, I'll just rip the bandaid off is I think Wreck-It Ralph is majorly overrated. I don't think it's a bad film. I, I, I think it's fine, but I see it frequently on many uh, top 10 lists. I see it frequently very high up in people's uh, ranking of the Disney canon. 
and and even animated films as being one of people's 10 favorite animated films of all time and I just don't think it's anywhere close to that, in my opinion. Uh, my my biggest problem, the year that it came out, everybody uh, was up in arms. The Wreck-It Ralph, that, that Brave won, and the Wreck-It Ralph didn't win. In mm-hmm. my opinion, both those movies have the same problem, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> because I, I think that both movies promise in their first 15 minutes something that they don't deliver. And, mm, and okay, interesting. Yes, because Wreck It Ralph, it it promise has a really good lead character, and I actually think Merritt is also a really good lead character. Uh, but you have so you have a good lead character, and they and both promise this this like in Brave, they promise this adventure where she's going to be. There's going to be archery and storming the castle and climbing. You know, like it's going to be this this exciting movie, where and then it becomes this domestic thing uh, mm-hmm. with her mother and mm-hmm. and in wreck it ralph they promise he's going to be he's going to earn this medal and he's going to go out and he's going to and they show this this train station hub which was brilliant idea in the power cord like that that was such a smart idea and you see all these characters and all these games and then what do they do you spend about 10 minutes in hero's duty and then mm-hmm. the whole rest of the movie is in Sugar Rush. And I, I just, I think Sugar Rush is super generic. I think it's super boring. And I, 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 I do not like Sarah Silverman at all. And, and so I, I think they, I never really like it that much when they have an adult voicing a child. And I, I, I just find her annoying and I don't like, I don't like uh... Vanellope because of that. And it just the whole plot in there is, I think, very played out, very predictable, very just, I don't know, just frustrating because I feel like they promise, like, if it was me, I would have had him going to all these different games and worlds and stuff and then finally sort of getting his medal, you know, at the end. But he gets the medal at the end of Hero's Duties. I feel like his, the rest is just kind of, I don't know, sort of what should be the ending of the movie happens happens only you know 20 20 30 minutes into the movie and Hmm. so yeah i'm the evil horrible human being who doesn't uh think that wreck ralph is that great i think it has a great lead character i think that i really do like felix and the cat the colonel i think they're really good uh but i don't know just sugar rush i'm just not that big a fan of sugar rush what do you think of it um I will disagree with one thing that you said, which is that I actually find Sarah Silverman pretty uh, uh, funny and cute in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I do think Vanellope is probably my favorite character in the movie. But um, other than that, I don't disagree with much of what you said. Um, first of all, I want to talk about this Oscar thing. So Brave won, and people were upset that Wreck-It Ralph didn't win. And I agree with you, people are wrong. Because the movie that they should be upset about is Paranorman. I agree. One of the one of the best movies of the decade so far, and one of the best animated movies I have ever seen, which totally should have won. Yeah, I agree. Maybe actually. not only the animated feature, but may, I would have even given it best picture. It's a movie that I love, and it's amazing. Yeah. And everyone who hasn't seen it uh, should watch it. Yeah, and um, talk like just I have to say just real quick, talk mm-hmm. about having a legitimate gay moment. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. Paranorman, Wait for my... 
Paramore wait for my Beauty and the right. Beast review. Paramore is what I did it right. <laughs> yeah. And even I think that Frankenweenie is better than if you were if you weren't going to do Paranorman, I think Frankenweenie would be my second choice. But uh, but but yeah, I I agree that Paranorman is definitely by far the best choice that year. Yeah, great movie. Um, other than that, I do have to say that I'm also not the biggest fan of Ragged Ralph. I liked it quite a bit when I saw it, but I think um, rewatching it years later, and especially after having seen more movies that Disney has released released since. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it starts to show kind of the template that they're working with now, how they have these kind of like twist endings mm-hmm. now and this kind of secret villains and the structure of the thing. It's, it's becoming less uh, original as it felt when it came out. And it also is part of it is that, you know, I feel like there's movies that have done that sort of thing better since yeah. Like I would say like Frozen and Moana are probably my favorites of late. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it also feels, um, it also feels like sort of Disney trying to do a Pixar movie in many ways. Right. With this whole mm-hmm. um, video game thing. Um, well, and I personally think the Lego movie did what Record Wolf was trying to do a lot better because the Lego movie does take you to all those different worlds. They do go to, you know, to Cloud Cuckoo Land and, 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 uh, Middle Earth and, and the cowboy in a village and, the, and, mm-hmm. and they do introduce you to all these different characters. It doesn't just say stymied like in Cloud Cuckoo Land the whole time. Like that's the equivalent of, I feel like what Sugar Rush kind of does. Yeah. And also it's very interesting that you bring up the Lego movie because I think the the important difference between the two movies is that the Lego movie has such a sort of, unique and uh personal sense of like of style it has this like Mm -hmm. animation style that you don't see very often or in other movies because you know it's based on legos and it's got these very crazy sense of humor and pace and all sort of things it feels like its own thing Mm -hmm. whereas record ralph definitely feels like something that was trying to be something that already existed in many ways and i think that's what what why I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your first uh, first choice for an overrated Disney canon film? Okay. So before we start, I want to say that when picking my overrated, like I said at the beginning of this recording, I was trying to sort of hit for the fences and go after the big ones. <laughs> um, you know, the ones that are considered classics that in my opinion are not that good. Mm-hmm. And my first one... I think might be a little controversial. I think you're a big fan of this movie. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. It's Bambi. How dare you? <laughs> All right. So you are a big fan. <laughs> no, I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I do like it, but uh, I understand its flaws. So, um, Yeah. So before I say anything about it, I do want to say that it's uh, definitely a beautifully made movie. I think the uh, all the artists, thick work that went into it the the background paintings and the character animation and design this is all flawless and it's a beautiful movie to look at um i just feel and this might seem like a little bit of cheap criticism or like maybe a little too personal i just feel like it's a little too cute and i get get my cute overdose when i watch bambi Mm. um interesting yeah 
Yeah, um, I think I compare it to a movie like Dumbo, for example, that came out, I think, the year before mm -hmm. Bambi. And so, in my opinion, Dumbo is probably the cutest character Disney has ever made. Mm. And I find him impossibly cute. But um, you put this very cute elephant in this sort of like very dangerous or like dark environment for him so there's a lot of tension there and then so you because you're in such in this place that it doesn't feel safe um you can latch onto Dum dumbo's cuteness and you can be like oh yeah i sympathize with you and i empathize with this character and i appreciate how cute he is because he's going through such a tough time whereas in bambi i feel like of course there's a whole thing with the with the mom that happens towards the end but um, I think a lot of time of the movie is just, you know, cute deer in a cute environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just doesn't have the same uh, narrative mm -hmm. momentum, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I guess I enjoy it because I, I, I really like the way it uses music and the way that the, like the rain, the sound effects, the music is actually becomes sort of a another layer in the film like it's not just it's not just a score it it you actually hear the drop 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 little mm -hmm. shout i think that's really yeah. good and and i i think it it's just a kind of a comforting sort of f film to watch and but i would say my biggest problem with bambi even though i do really enjoy it is uh is that the mother dies and it's this this uh you know heart-wrenching traumatic scene uh, and then she's never talked about it again, ever. <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. Yes. <laughs> and and you kind of get this this you know sort of male figure that's a, a little bit hard, I think, for modern sensibilities to relate to of of just kind of this 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 you know father dear or whatever that's just mm. kind of looming over and I don't know. It's just, that's just something we really I can't relate to anymore. I don't think. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're definitely onto something there. Um, although I do feel like that maybe there's some children that, you know, have sort of like maybe absent fathers or like have this sort of... Um, well, oh, certainly they have them, but it, it's not painted as kind of royal and dignified and like the the way it is here. I, I feel like it's, it's a sort point. of an honor, a, sort of a sign of respect of, of how he is. And yeah, I feel like I, that is rare. Yeah. And it's, it feels like something that's definitely of its time. This yeah. sort of like idea of the forties and fifties of like this sort of family and the mom is the one who's at home. And then the, the dad is very reserved and it's not very emotional. It is this very masculine figure who lives outside of the house most of the time and then comes home at night or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I, I guess I enjoy like just watching Bambi grow up. I, uh, but, uh, and I like Thumper and I like flower and, uh, you know, so I enjoy yeah. it, but I, mean, I, I get it too. They're all very cute characters and I would definitely, uh, um, uh, I think they would be amazing in like a short about this, you know, young deer in the woods or whatever. Like if it were a silly mm -hmm. symphony or something, I think mm -hmm. it would be, uh, the right dose for me. I just mm -hmm. feel like in a feature length. Uh, a little overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So uh, I think I, it's, I understand. So my, my second choice uh, is, is one that 
that a lot of people don't like. So, <laughs> but especially most of my Christian friends don't like this movie. But, uh, but in the animation fandom, I feel like it's placed on this pedestal. Uh, it's the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And uh, this movie, I think the reason why animation fans particularly like it is I think that if you're a Disney, if you're a Disney fan, if you're an animation fan, I think you get tired of being told that you like movies for children. And so I think that Hunchback of Notre Dame comes out and you, it, it, and it's got all this darkness and all this whatever. And so I think that that it, it's sort of one that you can kind of throw out there and be like, oh, well, what about this? This is for grownups, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. And mm. I admire the ambition of this film. I admire what they tried to do or started to do, but I think that they, they lost their nerve and it really shows. And I think that I wish that we had the sort of Gilmore del Toro cut of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had had the guts to do what like Pan's Labyrinth did and really go mm. for it and really make it, you know, like then I think it would have worked, but it just is the it just becomes kind of discordant, I think, and uh, the and and I think tone matters. You know, people are like, oh, well, you can just ignore the uh, the gargoyles. I don't think you can. I think that that actually like matters, and it's not the only part of the movie that feels juvenile. You have uh, you have the ending with this like very home alone kind of style of violence. You know, with characters getting hit by boards, and and you see the birds and and, and you know, stuff like that, <laughs> Cart- mm-hmm. you know, very, very silly violence. And, you know, combined with truly horrific stuff. Like, I mean, there's this scene where the, the, these, this mill owners are, are barricaded in their house and, and Frollo lights the, you know, is burning them alive in their house. Like, like we don't even know these people and we're being like, I don't know. I just think that that's just, too much it's too much and i uh i i think the other big problem with this movie is that it can't decide who the protagonist is and so you you want to sort of be rooting for esmeralda but you don't really get enough of her to really be to really be rooting for her and you want to be really rooting for quasi mm-hmm. and and yet you don't really get enough of him and you certainly don't like the gypsies because they're horrible and they even try to hang uh you know our, our lead characters mm-hmm. and so you're just sort of left like i don't know and and then the changes they made to the book don't work at all because like they didn't want to offend the Catholic church. They didn't want to go all the way and be really brave. And so they make him a judge. That doesn't really make sense. Hmm. Why, why would the arch, like it makes sense to have a a bishop like that's secretly bad. Like that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense for the archbishop to see this madman kill this woman, almost dump a baby down a well, <laughs> and be like, well... In, in, <laughs> no, you have to raise the baby. Yeah, you have yeah. to raise this child. Like, that makes no yeah. sense. Like, that's a horrible person. Like, it's a worse person who does that than, like, the, the bad person. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it does have beautiful animation, and I do think the score is really good. But I don't know. I just it, to me is it is a uh, it 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 doesn't work. Yeah, um, I I mostly agree with you. And uh, as you know, I almost uh, picked Hunchback as one of my overrated movies as well. But then decided to change it so that we didn't have the same ones. Yeah. Um, 
And before I get into it, I do have to say that I have, I might be coming from it, not from the most objective point of view, because um, I was once involved with a production of sort of like a Hunchback of Notre Dame musical. And I was just like part of the ensemble or whatever. They needed like people to play the guards, I think. So okay. I, I decided, okay, I'll do it, whatever. Um, but it was a pretty bad experience. I mean, some of the people in the cast were really nice, but the people in charge were uh, not good people. And then, so I come with a lot of mixed and personal feelings towards this okay. material. But, um, you know, it, trying to put that aside. It was a stage version of this music or just the, the, um, the story as a whole? It was changed a little bit, but they were using the songs. And oh, okay. I'm pretty sure they were not allowed to do that. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's done, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, so trying to put that aside, I do agree with you in terms of the sort of like the half measures of of thing. I do admire, like you do, the fact that Disney decided to, uh, you know, take a take a chance with this sort of like honestly rather inappropriate material for a Disney movie. And, you know, in certain ways decided to go dark when they had to go dark and they decided to go into places that they don't usually go. Um, at the same time, like you say, the whiplash is uh, real in the movie. You go from <laughs> these sort of very comedic, silly scenes into this very dark and depressing stuff. And it it just it doesn't mesh together the way I wish it did. Mm-hmm. Um and, and some of those comedic scenes actually end up being really mean. Like a, a, a guy like a guy like you, that actually is a super mean song. And it comes at the worst possible yeah. place for that song to come in the movie, where everything is going, you know, down the toilet, and we're heading into our like very dark, very uh, nerve-wracking third act, and then we stop so that this gargoyle sing this weird sort of mean song to Quasi. It's, yeah, it's strange. Yeah, and, and, and considering what they have to know is kind of happening, and and it, it, it's just, it's really, really mean <laughs> yeah. that they would be puffing them up like this. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, it's cruel. Uh, definitely. So. Um, yeah. I am interested in what you said. I did not know that a lot of uh, there was uh, sort of like a negative view of this movie in in the Christian community. Oh because, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. I'm very sure. interested to hear what the, what's yeah. going on there. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I I should say I only know within the Mormon community is okay. So I I, I can't speak for Christians as a whole, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but. Definitely, I would say that most of my friends, this would be nearer at the bottom of their Disney movies. They really don't mm-hmm. like it. And uh, and I, I remember watching it with, because you have to think that a lot of, a lot of uh, my friends have, you know, like little kids, like a lot of, you know, Mormons have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I saw Hunchback, I was with, I was babysitting uh, a friend of, um, of mine uh, had her, her two nephews and we, you know, we're like, Oh, it's a Disney film. You know, let's, let's, let's watch it. Well, I put it in and I was shocked. I was stunned and I was kind of embarrassed. And I think that a lot of people have that experience, 
you know, that mm. they think, oh, it's just like a, it's a Disney movie. Let's watch it with my kids. And then, <laughs> and then you're right. like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? You know? And so I, I, I think maybe that that's part of the problem. Like is that, that people have maybe a negative experience of watching it with their, with their little children. Uh, mm. So, uh, and it isn't friendly to religion by any means. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, the whole story, the book is much, is much more, yeah. uh, <laughs> than, than the, uh, the movie, but it, it's certainly not, not a, a friendly depiction of religion. So yeah, it makes sense. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, there's, okay. there's, there's themes of, there's themes of, uh, of seduction and lust and stuff like that, that, are not going to be particularly palatable in a Mormon audience. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Right. Um, right. Which are, I think the themes that most animation fans who are fans of the movie respond to, right? I, I yeah. do think you are right when you say that the reason why a lot of people have a, a respect for this movie is uh, that willingness to go into these uh, themes that we don't usually see in animation, let alone Disney movies. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people love Hellfire and they love Frollo as a villain. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm also not a big Frollo fan. I feel like, uh, I mean, like I said, I have my own baggage about this property, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not, not the biggest fan. Yeah. He's just kind of one note, I feel. And so, all right. Uh, what is your next overrated? Overrated. And this is my second pick, right? Correct. Okay. Um, oh, all right. And I think because I just watched your uh, ranking video, I think this is yeah. one of your very favorites. I really do like uh, this one. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So we'll Sorry. get into it. But uh, yeah, we'll get some good conversation out of it, yeah. like we usually do when we disagree. Um, <laughs> and it is uh, Alice in Wonderland. Right. And... Um, Okay, so here's what I have to say about it. I do think that Disney's version of Alice in Wonderland is probably the best version of uh, Alice in Wonderland movie that you could make if you wanted to be respectful and uh, stick very close to the original Lewis Carroll book. Right. So my, my problem is a little bigger than the movie itself, and it's more the sense of... I think the things that make the book so good and the things that make the book endure with children and, you know, um, have people reading it these many years later are things that you can't really translate into a satisfying uh, movie that needs sort of like a narrative arc and forward momentum and that sort of thing. Because they Mm -hmm. feel like a book is very episodic and... Mm -hmm. Also, the the really cool thing about the book is all of these sort of all this wordplay and sort of like clever logic ideas that he's playing with, and I think that's really hard to convey in a movie. And but also, so right. So if you go the the very uh, traditional route and you try to translate the book into a movie, you get the animated version, which is uh, all right, I guess. And then if you try to change it up and add sort of like more plot to it or whatever, then you get like the horrible, horrible Tim Burton version, which I, I, yeah, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, I think. 
and I really don't like that movie. Yeah, um, wait till you if you had saw saw the sequel. Oh my god. Oh yeah, which I avoided on yeah, <laughs> <laughs> almost on principle. But yeah, um, uh, but well, yeah. So I think with Alice in Wonderland, uh, the thing is, I think the best versions of Alice in Wonderland are the ones that like stray, that have just a little inspiration on it with the book, and then stray mm-hmm. pretty far, like something that is very tenuously connected to it, like a spirit away or a pants labyrinth, like you were talking about. Um, So here's my sort of defense, I guess, of Alice in Wonderland is I, I I don't necessarily think the movies necessarily need to have like a, a real like narrative structure. Like I'm, I'm okay if I'm in sort of just sort of experiencing a world with the characters and, and, and it, as long as it's sort of surprising enough and it's engaging enough and it's, and it's fun enough, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I feel like Alice in Wonderland is that. I love the nonsense to it. I love that it's different. And I think that, uh, that it's not one that what, before I started watching the canon, I would have put so high, but it's just something about it. Again, it, it's, it's kind of similar to make mine music, you know, that like you see so many movies that feel the same, feel the same. And then I watch Alice in Wonderland and to me, it feels surrealist. It feels different. It feels surprising and it's, it's unpredictable. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and uh, I, 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 that's, I think a lot of the reason why I like it. And I think that uh, it, it, I don't know, you just, it's just Alice meeting a whole bunch of fun fun creatures and and they each kind of have different things to teach her along the way uh, about sort of overcoming her fears and 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 at the beginning of the movie she she tells the the, the teacher governor or whatever you know that that it would be better if if i uh, the if all you know books had pictures and and that if if there if the whole world was nonsense that that would be better so then she gets Mm. sent down this this rabbit hole where she gets to literally confront a world of nonsense and she realizes like as it continually goes she realizes oh this is not better yeah (laughs) this is horrible (laughs) yeah and it's very i feel like it's also quite a disturbing movie for children at least it was for me when I watched yeah. it as a child towards the end when everything's getting, starting to get crazy. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that's also one of the reasons I, it's not, I have, you know, I probably have like some bad memories about being a child and being a little lost, not being able to latch into any of the characters except for Alice, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone is so crazy and in their own world that might be playing a part in, you know. My, yeah. My- and I didn't love it as a little girl either. So I get that. And, I I guess yeah, like I said, I think it's its unpredictability. It, it's uh, it's sort of the nonsense of it. The uh, I I don't know. I just really enjoy it. But but I I get it. I I think the part of it that ironically doesn't work for me in it is the uh, the walrus and the uh, the the walrus and the, the car- carpenter right? carpenter section mm-hmm. because I yeah. feel like that. I I would have taken it out because I feel like to have a narrative in this thing that is delightfully non-narrative, it, it makes you realize, oh, this isn't, it makes you realize what it isn't. And I, I think that, I don't know. I just feel like it just feels, feels out of place because it has a narrative and it, 
the whole rest of the movie doesn't. And so I, I, I would take that out <laughs> personally. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is going to become, uh, Conrado talks about his past theatrical productions, but I was also <laughs> in a production of Alice in Wonderland. I just remembered now okay, that you were right. talking about the Wolvers. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I played Toodle D, and my friend Gideon played Toodle Dum. No way. It was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I do want to say is, um, what you talk about the lack of narrative structure, um, I do agree with you that a movie doesn't necessarily have to have that. So maybe I didn't, you know, explain myself the way I should have. Um, so I think, you know, when a movie does not want to go into the sort of narrative thing, I'm sort of looking into what does it offer instead of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess, it, I mean, yeah, like you said, if the world is interesting and you are interested in these other sort of, of things um, that you can uh, sort of, you know, latch onto and, and start to uh, go from there. Um, so I guess my, my main uh, problem with Alice in Wonderland is I, I have I struggle to find what it is that I should uh, be looking at or thinking about mm-hmm. when watching the movie. If it because if, I feel like the things that I uh, look for in the book uh, are not cannot be translated into a movie. So I'm looking for what else is there that I can find. And because the movie is a rather uh, very you know loyal adaptation of the book, I, I have problems trying to find that. Mm-hmm that fair enough i i I also like it's another example where i do feel like they use the red queen in the right way i i think that uh in the 2000 in the tim burton one you just it's way overkill way overkill Hmm. whereas this you get just enough of her uh, in my opinion to not not be too much and so yeah I, i i really do i really do love it but i get it it it's definitely a unique, uh, unique film that won't be for everyone. So, um, mm-hmm. all right. So my last choice, uh, and I, I do love also the Mary Blair artwork and the way it uses the uh, geometrics in Alice in Wonderland is amazing. I yeah, love the, the way. I do think that, you know, everything that I've seen that has been like, uh, concept art for the movie looks oh. beautiful. Mary Blair, you know, she amazing was, artist. She was amazing. Uh, so, okay. Um, the, uh, the one that I picked for my last overrated is, uh, is Sword in the Stone. I think Sword in the Stone is actually kind of a bad movie. And I think a lot of people love it for nostalgia. It's not one that I watched as a kid, so I don't have that nostalgia. And I do think that the Sherman Brothers songs, like so many times in Disney history, kind of helped save it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because, uh, those are charming and, and sweet and, and the wizard duel is kind of fun, but, but it, it, uh, it frustrates me first of all, because you have the chance to do King Arthur and Disney. This should be amazing. (laughs) And, and they, they kind of blew their opportunity (laughs) on this story. And so you have this like epic legend, you know, with Lancelot and Guinevere and like, you could have had an amazing movie and, and yet it's, it's like Arthur is a kid learning these lessons from Merlin and the lessons, first of all, 
he doesn't we don't know why these lessons are needed like what is it particularly <laughs> in order to get to be a king or to pull the sword out of the stone and secondly he doesn't learn the lessons like the, right. <laughs> the first lesson is about i think about bravery or or whatever and and archimedes is the one that saves saves him and he just kind of walks off he doesn't like it's archimedes who learns the lesson the second one he makes the squirrel fall in love with him or the squirrel falls in love with him and i'm not sure what exactly we're, we're supposed to learn from that and 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 this and he ends up becoming human again and the squirrel goes off and cries and then he walks away and i'm like what did he learn from that i don't know <laughs> and then the then then there's the third lesson is the third lesson merlin has the wizard's duel so arthur does nothing and he gets up to the point where he pulls the sword in the stone and i'm like i have absolutely no idea why he can pull the sword from the stone like evidently he's just destined to do so and so why did we need the lessons and he keeps saying that merlin keeps like completely disgusted at the idea that arthur wants to be a squire mm-hmm. he's like that is like a horrible thing and i'm like why they like is book learning so much better and and they never do any book learning <laughs> like they're they're out like making squirrels fall in love with him like why is that so much better than learning to be a squire i don't know and i i don't know i just think like aside from those songs and the and the um uh and the wizard's duel which is animated really well uh, i i i just i don't think it's a very good movie yeah, I think definitely it's the weirdly structured screenplay and not a very good one. Um, it almost makes more sense for the story to start with him pulling the sword out of the stone and then learning all these lessons about being king or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's you know, true. that would make a little more sense. But I do, yes, you you are hitting the nail on the head that it feels like everything that goes on in the movie doesn't really have uh consequences or you know things are not connected to um uh like a theme or a a particular reason why we're watching this and yeah i agree with that um i my other question is just like i i don't know if is it an overrated movie though i guess people think of it fondly in terms of nostalgia but i don't i don't think you know i i feel like it doesn't really get um mentioned as much when people talk about the great disney movies and i think rightly so but uh yeah you know i I don't know i feel like i i yeah it's not mentioned it's not like hunchback that's frequently in people's top 10 lists i'll I'll grant you that but i don't know i just think uh, i i hear i hear good things about it and (laughs) and uh i don't know i just i just don't think yeah well, I, I I guess it is important, I guess, for us. Um, I think we are very into nostalgia in pop culture right now as a society. Yeah. So I think it is important to go back and take a look at the things that, you know, we might have enjoyed as children, but maybe uh, are not do not hold up. And that's yeah. also okay, right? It, that's not going to take away the fact that it mm-hmm. gave, you, gave you joy as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah. It's not that good. It, very true. Like I, I rewatched uh, Land Before Time, and it's not a bad movie, but it, man, it is very, very over, uh, over, not over the top, but 
over pretty overbearing in the like it has this uh so littlefoot he he had to make a choice about about what he was going to do in his life and continuing on the mm-hmm. path and like that narration is very constant and i and yeah. i was just like and i i do get like when i hear the score when i i get i get the feels and i get the nostalgia and everything like that but mm-hmm. it wasn't as good a movie as i remembered so it's not that like nostalgia is is good like it's fine we all have it and but I, I do think there is a point where you kind of need to be a little bit more objective <laughs> about things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're on the same page about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know I, I, if it's really overrated or not, but it's it's one that I don't feel like people are tough enough on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, all right. So what is your last pick? My last pick Um is Zootopia from last yeah. year. And I f- also feel like this might be a little controversial. I expect, you know, you to get a bunch of comments and I uh, I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> but How dare uh, you? <laughs> but um, so the thing about Zootopia is I think it's not a bad movie. I think it's, it's pretty good. Um, you know, kind of like what you were talking about with Wreck-It Ralph, I do feel that the wrong movie won at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Moana is the better Disney movie of the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, so Zootopia. Um, I do really admire and appreciate uh, what the people that made it were trying to do in terms of the, you know, social messaging of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um even though I do think that when you uh, try to bring the sort of animal analogy to our real world, there are certain things that don't track as well and that become a little confusing or problematic maybe, in my opinion. I yeah. don't really want to talk too much about that sort that part of it mm-hmm. because I do think that is the strongest part of the movie and that's mm-hmm. what I admire the most of it. Yeah, it's it, not a rather. perfect crossover between uh, between their world and our world. Like you kind of have to be willing to kind of yeah, take, it, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the intention is very noble mm-hmm. and it's very, uh, you know, uh, admirable. And, uh, but the other things that I, that I have problems with, with Zootopia, other than that is I number one, it's basically two things. Number one mm-hmm. is that the, I feel like the mystery plot is not very good. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people where who especially people who loved it were like um this has an amazing social message and also this mystery plot is really cool and very interesting and I do feel kind of like I feel about Wreck-It Ralph I feel like it's kind of fitting in this sort of mold that Disney is using mm-hmm. as of late in which you have this sort of like uh twists toward the end and this like unexpected reveals and especially the sort of like mystery villain that you don't see coming, which I think is a little bit of a problem with me because Disney villains are so great. And then now we don't know who they are until the end. And they're usually not that interesting characters. I think the last great villain we had was probably mother Gothel. Yeah. Tangled. Of course. One of the best, actually Mm -hmm. one of the best villains, but ever since we've had like sort of, and I think that twist can work sometimes. 
Um, I think the way it's used in Moana is really interesting just because of how it relates to the bigger themes of the movie and about kindness and what it has to say about Moana's uh, relationship to her, to her island and her... I don't think there's really a twist, though, in Moana. Uh, well, I mean, I guess... Uh, is it fine if we spoil Moana? Yeah. I guess people who hear to this will probably have seen it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think that... Um, I mean, the reveal that the lava monster is actually uh, the uh, island is, I think, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I guess... I, it's yeah. a little bit of a surprise, I think. A little bit, I guess, yeah. A little bit. Um, but I think it works really well in that movie. Um, and I don't feel the same way about Zootopia. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. And then the other is that I think um, in trying to go with this uh, message of the movie, which is uh, very welcome, mm-hmm. uh, I think they do kind of uh, uh, put the message before the the narrative and before the characters at certain points, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, I guess, is it okay to spoil Zootopia? Yep. I feel like everyone has seen it. Go for so, it. <laughs> um, I feel like at the moment with the press conference, for example, and how uh, Judy, right, is her name? Judy, yeah. Judy, uh-huh. yeah. How she gives the press conference and then she starts, she gets overwhelmed and she starts saying all these things that she shouldn't have said. And then uh, Nick gets mad at her and they yeah, have this, just, like, Oh, there's this a them is there. Yeah, I feel like that is there more because that's the moment in the script where they need to fight mm-hmm. than from a character moment. Because I feel like that moment after they have gone through this whole thing and captured the villains um, or what they who they think are the villains, um, by that point they have come to know each other and I feel like Nick would be more understanding of the fact that she's being overwhelmed and they'd be willing to have a conversation. I, I feel like it's a little forced that he turns on her without mm. wanting to hear anything that she has to say yeah. at that point. Um, yeah, I I can see what you're saying. I, I think what worked for me about Zootopia is uh, the, I, I really, the theme about, I, I think the, like, it's not just that it's about prejudice, but I think the, the theme of sort of, of fear and how like we'll we'll take a headline we'll take a thing and and we'll we'll use that to be fearful and and let fear sort of control our lives i i really thought that 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 rang true and that was good and i really loved judy as a character i thought that she you saw a real growth from her i thought you saw a real sort of character arc from her i think that i that what I liked about the mystery is sort of the homage to sort of the buddy cop type movies of the, of sort of the eighties kind of a feel to it. And I liked their sort of banter together as a couple, <laughs> as a unit. Hmm. I thought, I thought was, was good. And, uh, and it felt like a friendship kind of growing. And I think that it's a valid point that they probably is since they had developed that friendship to that point, he probably would have talked to her more and he would have listened more. So I, that's fair. Uh, and I was, I, I was dazzled by the world building. I know you thought it was more pedestrian than I did. I thought it was so beautiful and, and to see, you know, they, and just so creative and inventive and, you know, you have the rodent land and you have like the, 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 the uh, t- tundra town and you had, I, I thought that was really, really fun and I really enjoyed it. And, um, I, I thought the voice casting was perfect uh, really great. And I thought the humor was so good. I like Mr. Big scene. I just think it's 
hilarious. I could watch that all day. <laughs> I mean, when he's like, you gave me the skunk rug. <laughs> I buried my grandmama in the skunk rug. I think that is so funny. Uh, uh, so okay. personally, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I right, thought right, that right. was really, really funny. And, uh, and you know, you've got that whole homage to the Godfather with the wedding. I thought that was great. And, um, so those are some of the reasons why it really worked for me, but, uh, I, I can understand why you would say that it, it is why you would feel it was overrated. Um, uh, and so I get it. Um, yeah, but like I said, I don't think it's a it's a bad movie or anything. Mm-hmm. I I do think it's an important message, and mm-hmm. uh, even though it has its flaws, I think it's okay. I just feel mm-hmm. like uh, I I guess I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed by the the, the mm-hmm. response to it because it's it became it's become kind of a phenomenon, right? And yeah. it's a tremendous hit, and it's uh, well, it got the Oscar and whatever, mm-hmm. and people love it, obviously. Um, I think that you're totally right, though, that, that the that the one they thought is similar to the Lilo and Stitch year, the one they thought would be the big hit. Uh, I mean, certainly Moana just passed $500 million, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so it certainly did well, but... but yeah, it's, uh, no, not, it's not Treasure Planet, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I do think that that probably surprised them a little bit. Uh, they were probably expecting the Clements and Musker musical to be the, yeah. the huge, the huge. Especially one. after Frozen, right? I yeah. feel like there was. I also thought that there was like a something in the air that people were gonna want to go for that. But um, yeah, Definitely. and and about the world building and the design of the thing, because when I wrote my review of Zootopia, like you said, yes, I I talked a little bit about being disappointed by that, and I think it's just more of a thing of I, I'm at a point where I I really am trying to look for uh, animation that kind of breaks the mold in terms of its design. Um, I feel like uh, we have come, we are at a point where in American animation, we mostly do only CG animation and in a very particular, very realistic sort of style. Like even when we do movies about talking animals, they're kind of like obeying the laws of physics of our world, right? And the designs and that sort of thing. So I think that's, that's where I, where I was coming from with that. Um, I actually, I, for example, I was really excited in Moana, even though it was just a little bit of it, the moments in which we went into this or the other type of animation with mm-hmm. the 2D, even if it was, you know, Maui's tattoos, or if it was the moment mm-hmm. with the, with the giant crab and the, mm-hmm you know, uh, what do you call it? Like the black light, I guess, mm-hmm. effect. That I it did had. love, I love that also. Yeah. Kung, Fu, Kung Fu Panda 3, actually. I, I thought that it used 2D animation in really, really cool ways too. Just that's an mm. underrated, I think underrated film last yeah, year. Yeah. I, I should catch up with that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to it. Um, but I heard Not good perfect, things about it, but I yeah. liked it. Um, you know, was an interesting experience though, uh, that I had this week is, I watched the movie Robots from Blue Sky. Did you ever see that? Uh, I never saw it, but I remember it. Yeah. So the, it's, it, it was just interesting to me because I watched it for my obscure animation series. This movie, no, like, nobody uh-huh. talks about at yes. all. And it's actually very similar to Zootopia. And I'm not saying this is in a way to be like, oh, look, they copied that. Of course they didn't. But, oh. but it's just interesting that one movie is so memorable and one movie isn't because it's very like the world building is, is actually obviously it's a world of robots versus a world of animals, but the world building is, is, is kind of similar in a way. And it's very similar story. You have the, 
the 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 young kid uh from the sort of uh i don't know say small town but the he's like the poor robot and he mm-hmm. uh he he dreams of going to sort of the the this sort of big city and and meeting up with this inventor who owns this he sort of runs the uh the city and uh and he you know he uh he gets there and and there's you know there's dubious things about it and and i don't know it it just i realized and then he ends up meeting the the robin williams uh robot and comes sort of his buddy and like there was actually quite a bit that was very similar and there's actually a strong social message in the movie about class and and uh and how we uh divide people and stuff like that so i don't know it was just sort of interesting to me to think like i wonder if you know i wonder why one became so you know we'll see if how yeah. what kind of staying power zootopia has uh and uh, if it, it's one that people really do remember or if it's just sort of a creature of the moment so that'll be yeah. interesting that's interesting and that's something that has happened a couple of times in the history of movies right that a movie comes out and nobody really cares about it and then years later a very similar movie yeah. uh, kind of becomes a huge hit yeah. I don't know. I think you might be cracking the code on what is going on with robots. I think you should follow through with this investigation. Okay. I will. I will. And you should give it a watch. I, and let me know if you agree. Uh, yeah. But the story is, could be better, but, but it, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, anyway, so that is all of ours. Uh, so we did it. Hopefully we haven't made people too angry. <laughs> Hopefully. Um <laughs> But yeah, everyone who's angry at me, please know that I do love Disney movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I do as well. I think it's sort of sad this year we don't get one. Yeah, but what do we have coming up? I think next we year? have uh, Wreck Ralph two, which I hope that uh, evidently they're going to go on into the internet. Which oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if they want to go there. It's a scary place right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They they meet like trolls and stuff yeah, along the way. They're gonna step at the frog or something. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but I yeah, that'll be interesting. And then they have gigantic, which I'm very excited oh, about. Oh yes, of course. Of With course. the Lopez's. I am also very interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and then you know, I mean, we have this year is rough for animation it's it's i would kill for zootopia right now um uh cause, well we got <laughs> we got my movie coming out later this year yeah coco coco of course yeah, made so about excited. my life so excited <laughs> about that yeah that <laughs> and, interesting. yeah i'm so excited and yeah there's some uh i'm very excited of course for your name it, it, i just oh, bought my yes. bought my tickets today april 7th and I, you love it. I love and it. I have been waiting and oh. anticipating it for a long time. So I also have high expectations. It's for it. so good. I like, well, I, I, I don't want to oversell it and then people be <laughs> disappointed, but I really loved it. I thought it was so inventive and beautiful and heartfelt and mm-hmm. wonderful. But, uh, and then there's also a movie called, um, Mary and the Witch's Garden. I think it's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is by, uh, Yono Bayashi, uh, who directed, uh, uh, when Marnie was there, and um, oh. Secret World of Arietti. So oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. that will be really good. And and I actually am not a hundred percent. Not I'm actually a little bit looking curious, intrigued to Cars Three. I know it sounds. 
I, I'm kind of the, curious to see what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, that that trailer, the, those marketing materials are very interesting, yeah. very different from what they've done with cars yeah. in the past. I don't know if I'm ready to have like this d- real life drama about Lightning McQueen, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. I'm just intrigued. I'm, I think it's going to be, I mean, and the, the animation looks amazing. The racing looks yes. amazing. So I, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited, but man, this year, like, I mean, got the boss baby coming up. Holy cow, it looks horrible. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know, just, it's just rough. I, I mean, I'm finding myself like looking forward to Smurfs. Like it, it looks better than, I mean, that's just where we're at. Is this? <laughs> Cause you got boss baby and then you have uh, another despicable me movie and mm. the nut job too. And I'm just like, and the emoji <laughs> movie. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's gonna be rough. <laughs> but we'll, we'll make it through. We'll make it through. Anyway, well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really had a good time and it was fun to talk, uh, since we've, uh, talked through our words, through writing, but we never talked, uh, vocally. So that was a lot of fun for me. Yes. And, thank uh, you for having me. I, it was a great time. <laughs> so, um, where can people, where can people find you? Um, they can find me, uh, I guess they can go to my blog, that's CocoHitsNewYork.wordpress.com, uh, and they can find me on Twitter at CocoHitsNewYork. Awesome. And I will have links to that in the uh, comment and description section. So put your comments down, uh, what you think of our picks, and uh, also share with us, if you're listening, share with us your own picks of what you think is yes. over and underrated, and well, let's talk about them. It'll be fun. Yeah. So. Thanks again, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you all later. All right.